Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on August 28, 2022. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There, you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you would like to give gifts to support the ministries at St. Mark's, you will find options for how to do that there as well. And now, here's Pastor Jan Rood with the Gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 14th chapter, beginning with the first verse. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees, to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may repay you in return and you could be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At first, Jesus' words in today's Gospel reading seem much tamer than the radical stuff we've been hearing over the past few Sundays. In fact, as Jesus begins to talk, his teaching almost sounds like the kind of good practical advice that one would read in a newspaper column on social etiquette. When you get invited out, Jesus says, don't make a fool of yourself by sitting down in a place of honor which has not been reserved for you because it will be really embarrassing when the host comes over in front of everyone else and says, I need you to give up your seat for this person because you don't belong here. A better way, says Jesus, is to choose a lesser seat as you enter the room and then If the host comes over and says to you, friend, I want you to come and sit in a place of honor, then that will feel good. It's advice that seems to fit what many of our cultural traditions perhaps would also teach us. But then Jesus turns and addresses the host of the meal with some very counter-cultural advice. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, Jesus says, Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Jesus says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. 
It makes you wish that you'd stopped reading at the previous verse because Jesus is now back in the groove of saying things that put us on edge, things that challenge the whole way in which our lives are ordered. Historians tell us that the first century world of Jesus was a highly ordered one when it came to human relationships. At all levels of society, people were expected to stay within social boundaries, play by the rules. And there was a clear pecking order, very strong adherence to something called social reciprocity, which meant that you did things for people who were able to give you something in return. In the Latin language that was widely used at the time, it was called quid pro quo, or this for that. In modern English, we sometimes say, you scratch my back and I will scratch yours. It was the way the world worked. And when Jesus told this person to do the exact opposite, he was prying apart the glue that held all of that together. We may presume to live in a much more evolved society today, where most of us have moved beyond the rule of quid pro quo. But deep down, we know this isn't true. Our daily lives are filled with example of this transactional approach to human relationships. And it even makes its way into many people's understanding of our relationship with God. In short, it's the common notion that faith is about giving God what God wants so that God will give us what we want, including eternal life. Crassly speaking, it reduces faith to an exchange of goods or services where one transfer is always contingent upon the other. But all of that changes when people absorb the good news of God's unconditional love and grace. When we hear and trust that God gives us these gifts without any conditions of reciprocity, then our faith ceases to be seen and experienced as a transaction, and it becomes instead a source of transformation in all of our relationships. For me, that transformation is evident in every gift of love or mercy or grace that is offered without any expectation of receiving something in return. And whenever that happens, there's a beautiful freedom that comes with it because the giver and the receiver are both free from a whole system of social reciprocity that is driven in the end by self-interest. Most of us have learned over time that self-interest never feeds the soul. It may get us what we want in the moment, but it never connects with the deepest love longings of God that are within us. But even with that learning along the way, I have to admit that I still get nervous when I hear Jesus' words about hosting a new kind of banquet table because I know they take me beyond what I normally do. And when I feel that way, it helps to remember people like Ed and Marie Schultz, who did the more radical hosting that Jesus talks about with such freedom and grace. Early in my time at St. Mark's, a man came to the church asking for food to sustain him for the day. 
As he shared his story, we also learned that he didn't have a place to stay that night. I began to scrounge for food in our church kitchen and to make a list of places that offered shelter to needy people. But Ed Schultz, who had come by the church for an errand that afternoon, took a much different approach. He and his wife, Marie, were living out their retirement in a house about five blocks from St. Mark's. And Ed's first impulse was to invite the man to have dinner with them in their home. I was invited too, and I'll never forget those holy moments of sharing a meal together around the beautifully decorated table in Ed and Marie's dining room. The dinnerware, I'm sure, was the same that Marie used for special occasions, and both of us were treated as guests of honor. And then, during the meal, Ed offered the sojourner one of their guest bedrooms for the night, and he gladly accepted. Had you been there, you might have had the same concerns at that time that I did for Ed and Marie's safety. But they were fully aware of what they were doing. And I knew deep down that they would have done the same thing at any point in their adult life. When I returned in the morning, the three were just finishing breakfast. And after some words of farewell, I drove their guest to a place in Tacoma that offers food and housing on a regular basis. I share this story with you as a description of something that had a big impact on me and not a prescription to go out and do the same thing. I know full well that there are factors that make every situation unique and that God does have a deep concern for the safety and the well-being of all of us. So all of us will seek to follow God's will and God's spirit as we make decisions about how to be a part of God's hospitality. I also share this story with you with a sense of awe and not with any intention to make you feel guilty if you're not practicing the same kind of hospitality. And finally, I share this story with hopes that every one of us will be inspired in whatever way God leads us to, to go beyond our inner circles of relationships, to share the bounty of God in ways that have nothing to do with social reciprocity and everything to do with radical generosity. In the end, it isn't a zero-sum game of choosing one person over another or one group of people over another. If anyone thinks that this teaching of Jesus is suggesting that, I would argue that it doesn't fit any of the other parts of the gospel story. In his own life, Jesus enjoyed countless meals with his closest friends and followers, but it never stopped there. And to me, that is the heart of what he is saying. I'm not suggesting in any way that it's easy. Within every one of us, there are fears and inhibitions and strong urges to live by the social norms that give structure to our lives. But that doesn't mean that we live without the hope of transformation. In the lower level of Ed and Marie's home, they had an art studio where they both produced unique 
paintings and prints on a regular basis. And several months after that banquet in their dining room, Marie gave my wife Linda and me one of her creations. And now it is by the front door of our home, a delicate image produced by Marie of a dogwood blossom. It's a reassuring symbol for us every day of the love longings of God within all of us that are ready to bear fruit and of the beautiful transformation that comes with every gift of love or grace or mercy that is offered without any expectation of receiving something in return. And in every time and place that that happens, I say, thanks be to God. Amen.